0: Tuning into this week's episode of the Security Token Show. We're here in Miami studio, and I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Herwig Koenigs. For you, today on the show, we've got last week's industry news and company announcements, followed by the latest STOs and updates in the secondary market trading activity, and then our main topic, where we're going to be discussing the new fundraising rules and regulations set up by the SEC in the U.S. just this week.
1: That's right, everyone. Looking forward to another great episode with you, Kyle. Number 69 here. It's crazy to see how far we've come. I mean, we started the show over a year and a half ago, so let's get to it. And, of course, we can't start without first doing our Company of the Week awards, where we nominate a company in the industry making the biggest moves. So who did you pick this week, Kyle?
0: My Company of the Week this week is another great development in the security token secondary market. Texture Capital, a broker-dealer focused on security tokens and digital assets, has now been approved to operate an ATS license, meaning that they have been approved to launch a secondary trading marketplace here in the U.S. Now between Texture Capital, North Capital, Rialto Markets, Securitize, and INX, we've seen many new entrants breaking into the U.S. market looking to provide liquidity for the trillions of dollars of potential tokenized assets nationwide. After years of blockages in the licensing approval process for broker-dealers in the security token space, we're now seeing tremendous progress from regulators as they approve yet another ATS license. But I know this was not an easy feat for Texture Capital. I've spoken with CEO Richard Johnson a few times in the past and have always been impressed by his passion for the industry and his resiliency throughout this process. I know how hard it can be to even just get a broker-dealer's license approved with many back-and-forth filing and revision cycles with the regulators, so I can only imagine what he and his team went through for this ATS approval. Nonetheless, I'm psyched to see yet another firm building and innovating in the industry, and I'm proud to give Texture Capital my company of the week for episode 69.
1: That's a great choice, Kyle. You know, another ATS for the industry is it's absolutely huge. They definitely don't come easy from FINRA, especially when you have a security token focus, so... Phenomenal work by Richard and his team at Texture Capital there. Can't wait to see what they do with it. Now, my own choice is a little apt for our main topic today, Kyle. I think regulators play a major role in the financial markets, and collaborating and working with them, I think, is key for improving capital markets, especially for security tokens and its future. And that's why this week I have to give my regulator of the week award to the Securities and Exchange Commission of the United States. You know, whether you like it or not, the SEC is responsible for enforcing and regulating the strictest and largest and most important capital markets in the entire world. And so, when you're managing that kind of a behemoth and that kind of power, you know it's be- it easy, very easy, to become complacent and therefore create a tense and you know difficult relationship with innovation. But this SEC commission has shown that they care about the future. And as Chairman Jay Clayton said it himself, one day all stocks could become tokenized. And now it is more clear than ever that this SEC was sincere about ushering the new era of you know, uh, of security tokens. There's the idea that the ICO craze came about and potentially threatened the idea that the SEC is not going to be favorable for the industry and specifically towards blockchain and distributed ledger technology. And now it's clear that STOs have become a choice favorite and that the SEC sees capital markets in general needing reform, which is why last year they asked the industry to help them do exactly that. And now it's all coming to fruition ending with last week's announcement to increase the regulation crowdfunding cap from 1 million to 5 million and Reg A+ from 50 to 75. So we'll be getting into all of that and more later in today's main topic. But Kyle, I would be kicking myself if I didn't at least acknowledge the SEC and commend them for their efforts. They truly, truly deserve this recognition.
0: I agree with all of your points totally. The SEC definitely deserves recognition here for having flexibility and working in the best interests of those that the laws are trying to assist. It's exciting to see the developments of the regulatory standards moving forward, and I'm encouraged by their efforts to stay ahead of that curve. So awesome work, SEC. Great work, Texture. And I think it's time to move on.
1: Let's get into the news, but before I do, you should all know that the articles we talk about on this show, they're all sourced from stomarket.com news. They're also available for reference in the about description of the podcast itself, wherever you're listening to, or you can always find them directly on the Security Token Show Medium blog, where, where you can, of course, click on the articles and find out more for yourself. So kicking off this week's news cycle is more regulation news for the industry, beginning with the tiny country of Luxembourg in Europe, where the regulation uh, passed for the blockchain bill. So according to the drafters of the blockchain bill, the purpose is to create a legal framework for the circulation of securities through new secure electronic registration technologies with the aim of enhancing legal certainty in the area a.k.a. defining security tokens and enabling them to be managed on a blockchain-based registrar. Now, the specifics of the blockchain bill introduced a new article, Article 18A, into the law on securities there. This article regulates holding of securities accounts and registrations issues within or through secure electronic registration devices. So it's worth noting that Article 18A does not explicitly mention the blockchain technology, but it is referenced and obviously is in the name of the bill. It's just designed to be open-ended so that in the case of the technology changes lingo, they're trying to future-proof something we've seen other countries do as well. So good for you, Luxembourg. You've joined the over 15 other countries now who have legally defined security tokens as managed on distributed ledger technology or blockchain. So to see that full list, by the way, check out the Security Token Group Medium blog, where the STA team maintains the list. Now, next up is more regulation news. The regulators in the Bahamas also passed the Digital Assets and Registered Exchanges Bill of 2020, or the DARE bill. So this just provides the legal framework to regulate the issuance of sale of digital assets or crypto assets including digital tokens. So the Caribbean Blockchain Alliance worked with the Securities Commission in the Bahamas in getting the support needed for Parliament to push this bill through. However, it is unclear right now what the framework will be, but it seems it will be encompassing both utility, crypto, and possibly security tokens. And it really was a, a busy last week for regulators because Hong Kong government, specifically the Hong Kong Financial Services and the Treasury Bureau, also issued a consultation to implement a new regulatory framework requiring virtual asset exchanges to be regulated by the SFC. That's the Securities and Futures Commission in Hong Kong. So ultimately it looks like the new regulatory framework will require any Hong Kong based virtual asset exchange uh, as well as anyone targeting from overseas Hong Kong customers. They will all need to be licensed by the SFC and will initially only be able to deal with customers that qualify as professional investors. So those are institutions and ultra high net worth individuals. So it looks like Hong Kong is finally really taking control of its exchange markets here, whether they be for crypto here or for security tokens. And Australia has officially joined the central bank digital currency game, and they also are doing it with consensus and of course Ethereum. Just like Société Générale and the Banque de France announced just last week, so perhaps this is one of the other five customers that consensus mentioned in that announcement as well. And according to this press release, they are exploring CBDs to, quote, explore the implications of a CBDC for efficiency, risk management, and innovation in wholesale financial market transactions. Quote, while the case for the use of a CBDC in these markets remains an open question, we are pleased to be collaborating with industry partners to explore if there is a future role for a wholesale CBDC in Australian payment systems, end quote, from the article there. So this means their CBDC will be targeting citizens and not institutions or businesses like some mm-hmm. of the other projects have. So, you know, this may well mean that we're going to see a digital Australian dollar at some point. Uh, Another list that's being maintained by the STA team, a CBDC list, if you're curious, and seeing, I think, almost 50 different banks that are having initiatives there. Uh, And finally, in Israel, Bancor is hoping to avoid that their tokens become labeled as securities by the Israeli court or potentially the U.S. court. Now, you see, like most ICOs, they have had investors sue them for selling unlicensed securities. And the lawyers representing the investors in a class action against B Protocol Foundation, that's the parent company of decentralized liquidity network Bancor there, have asked for the case to be tried in the United States rather than Israel. Now, according to court records filed on November 2nd in the U.S. Southern District of New York, lawyers for Timothy Holsworth, the lead plaintiff in the class action lawsuit against defendants B Protocol and four of its executives, argued that the firm's repeated and extensive contacts with the United States uh, for marketing its Bancor Network token made the SDNY there the more appropriate venue. Now, of course, Bancor's lawyers are arguing that the Israeli court is completely suitable given that they are located there. We'll see how things play out as the courts in the U.S. tend to favor the plaintiffs and ultimately enforce many global ICO issuers to settle and refund investors. We can think of the biggest one being out of Dubai with Telegram. So I'll keep you updated as always, just keep listening to the show. And moving into company announcements, we're kicking off with unicorn lender Figure, which issues home equity lines of credit on the blockchain. Well, now it turns out that FIGURE is looking to become a U.S.-regulated bank. That means having a federal charter, people. The company claims that a fully-fledged national bank charter would help them better navigate regulation, reduce costs, and improve security, as well as originate loans to a greater number of consumers. The firm cites having almost 200 different licenses they have in order to currently operate, and Mike Cagney, the CEO, said that FIGURE Bank will not initially offer Bitcoin and cryptocurrency services, but it will custody digital securities native to the blockchain, which means that they are probably supporting their own fund management services uh, with custodial services through the bank, too. And next up, we have a new player on the block, if you will, Toko. I, I wish I could find out what it stood for, but it was not mentioned in any article, so I guess it's just Toko, a T-O-K-O and it was just launched by prominent global law firm DLA Piper in partnership with Aldersgate Digital Ledger Solutions, and it's built on the Hedera Hashgraph Distributed Ledger. They launched with a proof of concept, apparently. It's a high, highly valued piece of art that has now been tokenized, and the law firm claims that the focus will be high-value assets like art and real estate for the Toko platform. And apparently it's not a spur-of-the-moment initiative either. Scott Thiel, the, the lead partner on the project, said, quote, TOCO is the result of years of research and development. We're thrilled to finally showcase this proof of concept and look forward to working with our clients and ecosystem partners who are keen to take advantage of the opportunities created by the latest technologies with a reputable and trusted business partner who can help them navigate the legal complexities of tokenization. So, if you are hearing this right, listeners, law firms are now getting into the security token game. So, expect marquee and quality assets are flowing through those pipes, but The question is, will they leverage secondary markets? It seems that this is simply a digitization play at the moment, making it easier for their clients to manage investors, including voting, distributions, and peer-to-peer transfers. But no focus on listing on exchanges, and since it's not using a public blockchain, it may not even be able to be supported by decentralized exchanges like Uniswap. So needless to say, big news for the space, but we'll see what they end up doing with Toko. And over in Asia, Singapore-based Skyhook Capital, a fintech firm focused on the distribution of investment-grade digital assets to institutional and retail clients, has teamed up with Digital Asset Shared Ledger, the global digit asset liquidity network for financial institutions, aka its their tokenization issuance platform. The release mentioned that uh, DASL's production-ready, robust finance-grade application aims to facilitate the tokenization of underlying assets. For instance, commodities, property, art, and equities, and they may be issued as a digital bond, a fund, or some type of structured product. So DISL has been developed on the public Corda blockchain, by the way, and it looks like we may start to see some great STOs launch out of Skyhook's digital asset wealth network they call it DAWN, which of course Kyle will update us on whenever they do announce some STOs on the show. And our sponsor of the show, INX, last week was also in the news. They have officially poached Paz Diamant from eToro as their new CTO. So prior to Etoro X, Diamant took on the position of product manager, trading back-end at eToro there, and he specialized in market-making and working with liquidity providers to source hedging solutions for their dealing room, as well as filling several of the other requirements for over just four years. So within that time, he also headed eToro's blockchain set of products, so it seems like a great fit for the INX team, who is looking to establish their crypto and security token exchanges here in the U.S. And another big role was announced this time by the Association of Digital Asset Markets. Michelle Bond will become the organization's new CEO. So Bond previously served as Senior Counsel to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, my regular the week there, and according to the press release, brings experience in executive leadership in both the public and private sectors to focus on boosting digital asset market integrity, as well as bringing a wealth of strategic, regulatory, and legal experience to the association. So Bond also previously held a role, a board of advisors of Securancy since actually she still does uh, since 2019. And she also served for Ripple's global head of government and regulatory affairs in Washington, where where she did that for a year. So it seems like a really, really talented person at the helm there. Good luck to her. And finally, I have some resources and opinion articles for you for security tokens, starting off with an interview with new security token exchange CoinMetro's Kevin Mirko, where he talks about the platform's pricing, their investor audience, the types of assets you can expect. You know, I always enjoy hearing from industry leaders their plans and their visions, so go check that out when you get a chance. And this next one is another great article talking about how digital securities could drive liquidity towards private equity. You will have to sign up on Euromoney for the full article, but it cites that T-Zero's announcement with Titan Capital on its $300 million data infrastructure company that we'll be listing soon as the future towards private equity. And this last one isn't necessarily focused on liquidity for private equity, but for securities lending, which is absolutely another huge use case. It's actually an overview with panelists like the CEO of security token platform, HQLAX, and David Rackat, the CEO and founder of WeMatch Securities financing and also mike norwood global product head at equilance so check out the full article if you're interested and that's it that's all i've got for you wonderful listeners out there remember that you can submit your own articles and announcements directly at stomarket.com news so we get a chance to cover it here on the show now kyle what industry events do we have coming up
0: well, you got to join the Digital Assets Investment Conference, hosted by STO Box on November 14th at 3 a.m. Eastern Time. So not quite our time zone, but you can definitely check that out if you uh, want to stay up or if you're in the time zones that, that maybe that fits better at. But this event is gathering some of the brightest minds from the entire industry. Managers at top corporations, academic professors, and crypto gurus to help you find top investment opportunities in business cases Learn how to navigate this, this space in terms of security tokens and DeFi, as well as staying up to date with the latest developments. So the tickets are free, but there's also a VIP option for 50 bucks that does include the recording of the conference, as well as some other perks there. So you can get that on demand if you don't want to stay up to watch it. The other upcoming event we have is a webinar hosted by Polymath on November 24th titled Broker Dealers and Security Tokens, an inside look at the industry. Which features a panel from Entoro Capital, Rialto Markets, and Genesis Block, as well as Polymath themselves, discussing how security tokens are changing the game and how you can use them to get ahead. So check that one out November 24th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time.
1: A little more our time zone, but two great security token virtual events, it sounds like. Definitely go check it out, folks.
0: And that's it for the new event section. So remember that, again, you can submit anything on the industry news or events at stomarket.com news, or you can email me or send it to me on Twitter or either of us on LinkedIn, wherever you want to send us anything, we're happy to take a look. Moving into the STO updates and new offerings, the first news comes from Soteria Capital, S-O-T-E-R-I-A, and with security token platform CryptoSX, which just announced that Soteria Capital will act as the prime broker for CryptoSX's listed offerings in their private placements. So CryptoSX, if you don't remember, is a Philippines investment platform as well as a crypto exchange That has launched three security token offerings to date including a Scottish whiskey investment fund a copper mining facility in Peru and a biotech agriculture company in Cambodia the firm also notes some upcoming offerings in this document including more mining facilities as well as real estate in the U.S. and in Philippines. So it seems like they're adding that crucial piece of that custody and broker piece that that does, you know, require some outside assistance to to make these offerings list compliantly. So expect some new trading tokens soon. This this company, Crypto SX, has has really been loud the last couple of weeks or months. And they are saying that they are going to be launching a secondary market for security tokens. They already have the crypto tech built for the trading side of it, so I think as soon as they can can figure out how to get these tokens completed from the fundraise perspective, it looks like they're ready to list. Next up is an update from Tanaga Island Resort. The resort is based in the Philippines as well, and they have confirmed some terms of the raise, seeking $10.6 million for the development of the five-star beach resort on a highly rated beach that we covered a couple episodes back. And so the initial land valuation is about $8.4 million, bringing the total market cap of the whole offering to $19 million post money. The issuer of the tokenized offering Tanaga Resorts Corporation plans to employ a five-star resort hotel management company as well as a world-renowned architect to build the resort and begin operations by the end of 2024. Ownership in the TIRC tokens represent the proportional income from the hotel operations, as well as some of the private villa properties that they will be selling directly, in addition to the value of the underlying real estate of the hotel and the entire resort. The firm is working with the aforementioned CryptoSX to list the tokens on the secondary market, planning to do that sometime in the second half of 2021. They're also working with tech platform Ravencoin, which has some strong ties to T Zero through Overstock's venture arm Medici Ventures, which could hint towards future collaboration if the fundraise and listing is successful. Also, I want to say that Ravencoin—I think it's the first security token to be using the Ravencoin platform and, and tokenizing through Ravencoin. Highly touted project, people are very, very excited about it, and a strong community there. So we'll have to see how that goes. And the tokens go on sale November 16th, so this, uh, or I guess next week. Uh, on Monday for $0.10 cents per token, and it'll be open through uh, the end of the year.
1: That's great to hear a project like RavenCoin is starting to see some adoption. That's a very good use case.
0: Yeah, if you, if you don't remember, you know, RavenCoin is kind of like Polymath in the sense that they, they launch these issuance platforms and then have their native crypto that that kind of manages that ecosystem, and so it's exciting to see some of these more kind of decentralized projects hopefully issuing some... some Exciting security tokens. We'll see what happens.
1: Completely compliantly, by the way, folks.
0: Next up, we have a very cool disclosure document coming from the Roe v. Wade token. Now, if you don't remember, this is the upcoming security token on the LCX platform that is selling equity in an upcoming movie about the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court case that was settled in 1973. So the offering, which entitles holders to a fixed yield of 20% per year, plus a repayment of their face value, provided that the movie succeeds in the box office. This RVW token caught my attention this week after publishing the firm's audited report by blockchain and smart contract auditor, Certic. The smart contract audit by Certic includes a rigorous formal verification, static analysis, and manual review of all of the smart contract code. Certic provides the most advanced security audits in the blockchain industry, and it's a pretty strong sign that the underlying tech of this tokenized asset is in good shape. I really like the fact that firms are taking the time to audit not only their financials, but also the technology that underpins the vehicles that we're working with. The tech side is likely covered by an issuance platform like LCX, and that it's the, honestly that firm's responsibility to get this audit done. So being able to provide the seal of approval for the issuer by Certic for its issuers is actually a very nice value add by LCX, and I think it's good for investors that maybe don't really want to worry about the tech. At least they can see, okay, look, somebody else that knows what they're doing has taken a look and given this a double check. So well done. And moving into our two new security token offerings this week, the first comes from issuance platform and crypto exchange CoinMetro, who just announced the CoinMetro bond, which is a two-year convertible debt instrument. The bond pays 8 to 12% annual interest during the term paid daily or in 730 installments. And the end of the bond term, after two years, you do have the option to convert these bonds into the CoinMetro growth token, which is an equity instrument based on the current valuation at $50 million. So you can cash out at face value into the exchange native currency, or you can get these equity tokens to have ownership in the firm. The firm is raising $2.5 million in this debt offering, which means that the full $2.5 million would convert into 5% equity at the end of the term if all of it was converted. And the bond has a minimum investment of only €10, Euros. and the offering is live through the end of January 2021. So definitely go check out bond.coinmetro.com if you're interested in checking out the deal a little bit more, doing your own research, and potentially participating. Finally, for security token offerings, we have UGPay Group, which is a Swiss-based asset management company that has launched its own token sale through the crypto unit platform. UGPay is launching a fund called the Global Investment Portfolio and is seeking to invest in early stage projects with this capital. The firm is selling LP shares of the portfolio in the form of the WCRU token offered through the crypto unit platform, as I mentioned, which seems to be a crypto platform that now enables security tokens. Honestly, I, I try to do a little bit of research. I'm not very familiar with the crypto unit platform, so we'll, we'll hopefully give you more updates there once the the offering is is continued underway. I can get more info. So the firm has filed a Reg D 506 C for accredited U.S. investors. So they are taking the proper steps to, to do a compliant raise. And the offering is now live, but I wasn't able to find really any information on the thesis of the fund or who the general partners would be. So I'm, I'm going to try to do more research and get get you more on that in the future. Um, but definitely do, do, some, do some of your own research on this one if you're uh, trying to evaluate the deal and take a look. And moving into the secondary market updates, we wanted to start off with an article by Samuel Haig covering the market volumes over the last couple of months, which have not been very strong since the hot summer. Sam did cite security token market data and research in his coverage, and he makes a pretty good point that the bullish sentiment around the industry is pretty much tied to T0 and overstock at this point, which incidentally have performed pretty poorly over the last two months after a crazy summer. So it makes sense that just you know, it demonstrates the fact that we're so early in this market that we need more market diversification and, you know, reliance on one or two assets. Of course, the market is just going to pretty much trend exactly with where those tokens are going. Um, so it doesn't necessarily say a lot about the innovation or the adoption, but more so about the valuations of those one or two assets. So um, good points that he made there. And uh, thank you, Sam, for using our data. And in my final piece of news before we jump into the numbers, we do have a new listed security token. So issued by Swiss tokenization platform Mount Pellerin, the issuer is IM Innovation Labs, which has tokenized 0.2% of the company's equity and has now listed it on Uniswap for trading. So the firm tokenized its entire cap table, but it's only listed 0.2% of, of the shares on the secondary market, I think 20,000 shares of the 10 million total representing about $1,000 of equity at current prices. So this is an incredibly small market cap trading asset right now, it's it's, I think $1,300. But interestingly, due to Swiss law, a shareholder does not have to register to purchase these assets. Instead, they only need to register in order to claim dividends or participate in voting or other post issuance activities. So therefore, there really aren't any compliance issues with this token being listed on Uniswap according to EU securities regulations. The securities are now trading for around six or seven cents per share on Uniswap, which is again really only a tiny fraction of the market cap of the entire company. On the secondary market, as I said right now, I think it's around $1,300. However, we can roughly calculate the market cap of the entire firm if we were to use the entire supply, and with 10 million total shares the company would currently have a valuation of around $700,000. So it'll be interesting to see where the valuation and the business goes from here. Congrats to IM Labs for for Innovation Labs, excuse me, for tokenizing and and taking that step. And we'll have to see how it performs on the secondary markets. And bouncing right into the trading market segment, as always, I I do want to remind you that all this trading data is on stomarket.com. You can go on there and see all 26 live trading tokens and what their prices are, as well as their volumes, market caps, and all that good stuff. But this week, the total market cap was down about 4% to $484 million, which is pretty much the entire market being down this week, with Overstock and T-Zero once again getting hammered down 9% and 13% respectively this week. Those declines definitely drove the market, but there weren't really strong signs of life from our trusty real estate sector this week either. Real estate was down pretty much across the board, I think 3% or so um, on, an, on an average basis, which again isn't a huge deal, but it just wasn't up, unfortunately. There was a slimmer of hope from Mount Pellerin that was up 5% today, potentially driven on the news of, of their newest issuance and their success. And they were the lone green candle over the week that really was anything to note. So it was a pretty forgettable week from the market, I think. But again, just being able to trade and just having a market here where people are exchanging these these assets is a fascinating concept and an exciting one nonetheless.
1: There's nothing really surprising here, right? Especially, as you said, T0 and Overstock dominate the market. So their swings do reflect essentially the entire industry. Uh, but that will change very soon, as more and more tokens, as you just announced, are getting listed You know, from all around the world.
0: Yeah, this is really just the nature of the game. It's the first minute of the entire series, if you will. So we're just getting started, and we're still looking at closing the year stronger than before. At the beginning of the year, I think our market cap was 58 million, something along those lines, and we're right at five hundred. So we've already still 10X on the year. I say would that would be successful. So um, you know, I think with that, Herwig, we can segue into our main topic here, Herwig, where you chose the SEC as your company of the week for improving the fundraising regulations in the US. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about that and what happened?
1: Absolutely. So those of you who did listen to last week's episode and you know, as I mentioned to you earlier, there's been a lot of great news from the SEC and that's why we're gonna take today's main topic to go into that and it'll be a little bit more exhaustive on the subject. right? But a little backstory first. When Kyle and I first started the show in June of last year, the SEC had released a 211 page overview concept paper uh, for the private capital market framework and how it could potentially be improved. So specifically, they asked a series of questions to the industry about their thinking and, and how they might improve. So this was major, major news, as this was a way for the entire crowdfunding and security token industry to now be heard. So what did we do, Kyle? Well, we
0: set to work, answering all of those 19 questions, which did take forever. But each recommendation we had, we knew could potentially change capital markets as we know them. After we finished answering all of their questions, I remember us thinking about how we can make sure that we are heard. So we actually asked all of you wonderful listeners in that very first episode, as well as all of our industry partners and participants, to sign the letter. And more than 20 of you did just that. And guess what, everybody? It worked.
1: You better believe it worked. We got cited by the SEC in their final rule changes, So which is what we're going to do now. We're going to review all those changes the SEC has made since they started looking at private capital markets well over a year ago. So let's see if our super loyal listeners remember all these changes as we go along, Kyle. The first change we're going to start with took place in late August this year, where the SEC amended the accredited investor definition and expanded it to allow for certain individuals holding securities licenses with FINRA. So most specifically, investment bankers and RIAs, those are registered investment advisors, are now qualified as accredited investors. That added roughly half a million more people to now possibly qualify, and even more so, as I said at the time that it wasn't about the number of new people, but really the quality of the new people, that in this case, investment bankers and RIAs are gonna have a huge impact because they have massive investment networks and can possibly syndicate better and faster than your average deal junkie or investor. And now that they can personally participate in these opportunities, we may see a host of new private offerings start to get to, you know, subscribed and met as a result. So overall, I think a huge net gain for the industry, I think, with that change.
0: And it also opens the door, too. We'd certainly like them to come up with even more ways for people to qualify as accredited investors. And we named several additional ways in the main topic of Episode 59 that you can check out either in the full length or just that segment on YouTube. But more importantly, the SEC acknowledges that the definition could continue to expand, specifically using the knowledge-based requirement, which is now a first to be able to qualify as an accredited investor, since before it was really only a financial requirement about how much you owned in terms of assets. This means that we could very well one day see attorneys or CPAs and other licensed professionals actually qualify as an accredited investor based on their knowledge and their merit. But as you said, Herwig, for now, it's already a really big win.
1: Totally, and I believe the SEC is thinking about being more flexible with all the stakeholders in the private capital markets because this next move by the SEC was also a major, major change. Just a month ago, only a short period after the accredited investor announcement, the SEC said that they would be allowing for non-licensed securities finders to receive a commission or a fee for helping make investor introductions. All right. That
0: sounded just a little complicated, Herwig. Can you break that down as if we were five years old? All
1: right. So maybe a little too much jargon, but put it simply before this, if I was helping a friend who has a new business and a new company by introducing them maybe to a family connection with money, for example, I would not be entitled to compensation because I am not legally allowed. The SEC considers what I did, making an investor introduction, a securities activity that requires licensing if you want to get compensated for it. So getting paid for introductions, especially on commission and performance, is completely illegal, until now that is. So this new rule gives some indemnification to what the SEC refers to as finders, enabling them to take a cut so long they follow these new rules. So similar to the accredited investor change, the SEC has just made it a lot easier for someone to want to help syndicate a deal and help with fundraising efforts if they have a network of investors to plug you into. And now they can be very upfront and say, look, I'll introduce you to my billionaire friend, but I want 2% of whatever he invests in a fee. And now you need to review the rules, and I highly recommend speaking to a securities attorney to learn more about these changes. Uh, And it also hasn't even taken effect, as there's still some time before it goes live, typically 60 days from when it hits the federal registrar.
0: That's another major change, Herwig. Now, if somebody has a security token offering, they can properly incentivize those finders, which are the people that bring them in the money. But you're right that it's just for investor introductions only. You still do need certain licenses for other securities activities, so you need to be careful and absolutely consult an attorney for any of these business practices. But yeah, it's obviously so huge to enable more capital to find its way into investments, and what better way than through those introductions. I don't think that anyone has any complaints about this one, and quite frankly, I don't see why anybody would have any complaints about any of these changes, to be honest, because it's all great stuff. Let's also talk about that regulation crowdfunding and Regulation A-plus changes that we brought up from last
1: week. Yeah, we, we saved the best for last, right? So the new fundraising changes announced last week by the SEC could potentially be the biggest of them all. You see, listeners, regulation crowdfunding came out with the JOBS Act of 2012 and was released to the public in a fashion that was considered dead on arrival because it was too limiting for issuers Uh, you know they wanted to wanted to leverage it so for the first time ever a u.s issuer could raise money from anyone in the united states not just to credit investors but no you couldn't raise more than a million dollars which for many businesses wasn't enough to justify investing in a crowdfunding campaign in the first place and then implementing these new company operational requirements to support it now the sec has changed that and raised it to five million dollars so By the way, we suggested that 18 months ago in our uh, recommendation feedback, and that's what we were cited for by the SEC in their comments. So that's really, really great. And it is also what Europe did just a month ago with their own equity crowdfunding laws. So now businesses can raise up to $5 million every single year from their customers, their neighbors, their partners, and their friends. This is really
0: one of those huge friction points for investors and early adopters of the security token opportunities. As we've discussed on the show in the past, retail non-accredited U.S. investors are like the holy grail for the investment community. It's the largest base of investors in the largest capital markets, but it's also one that has historically been shielded from higher risk opportunities by regulators, often to the detriment of small businesses and the chagrin of investors seeking niche investment opportunities. With a $5 million cap, the Reg CF exemption becomes much more viable, and can appeal to a much wider audience of issuers who may consider this opportunity now. So it's a fascinating development, and a deserved round of applause for the regulators at the SEC for being so forward-thinking here and really offering an awesome opportunity for the entire U.S.
1: Absolutely right, Kyle. And we also can't forget that the SEC changed reggae plus maybe not as exciting, but this exemption requires a lot more work from the issuer, usually investing hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes even millions to raise up to 25 or up to $50 million in a single private offering from anyone in the United States. So this was designed to sort of be a mini IPO for private companies who weren't ready to go public yet. And now the SEC has increased that cap to 75 million. With the logic that, you know, being that the exemption can now be useful to even more businesses who need to seek even more uh, amounts of capital. So perhaps we'll now see more applications for Reg A-plus offerings with the SEC, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely happy about this change as well. But due to the fact that the Reg A-plus offerings need explicit approval from the SEC, which historically has been incredibly difficult, dare I say, borderline impossible, especially for a security token offering. I do hope that this increase also leads to a more clear path to success with this fundraising exemption. The advantage of Reg D, Reg S, and Reg CF is that you don't need that explicit approval from the SEC. You just need to file the form. And so this has led to many more offerings and just a more scaled process for the general issuer. So fingers crossed that we can see more Reg A plus offerings, especially tokenized offerings in the future
1: remember, Kyle, that you had a lot of feedback for this, a streamlined sort of system for, for issuers and, and potentially no approval at all. But it uh, looks like the SEC didn't listen to all <laughs> of that. Feedback. But of course, I completely agree with you, and, you know, actually, that is all we have for this topic. So, to all of you wonderful listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Security Token Show. Hopefully, you enjoyed and learned a little bit. And, of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn if you ever have any questions or feedback. And come discuss with the community at stomarket.com news, where you can submit and comment on articles, STOs, events, and more. We hope to catch you all next week on Tuesday for number 70.